calls me to be at his feet worshiping. Working all things out, you're working all things out. I count on one thing. The same God that's never late, you'll not fail me now. You won't fail me now. In the waiting, the same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now and in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out working all things out oh yes I will lift you high in the lowest valley, yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names, all that nothing can stand against, I choose to praise, all to glorify, glorify the name of all names, all that nothing can stand against, oh yes, I will lift you high. In the lowest valley, yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will, because I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. More than nothing can stand against, I choose to praise. To glorify, glorify the name of all names. And nothing can stand against, 
Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will pour all my days. Yes, I will pour all my days. Yes, I will, because I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. And nothing can stand against, and I choose to praise. Glorify, glorify the name of all names that nothing can stand against. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy. When my heart is heavy all my days, yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will. Father, we'll worship you, we'll praise you, we'll glorify you all the days of our life. All the days of our life, God, we give you praise. Call me to lay aside the worries of my day, to quiet down my busy mind, to find a hiding place. Worthy, you are worthy. Opened up my heart, let my spirit worship yours. I opened up my mouth and let a soul of praise come forth. Worthy, you are worthy. Love a childlike faith and of my Praise of my unashamed love, and of a holy life, and of my sacrifice, and of my unashamed love. You're calling me to lay aside the worries of my day, to quiet down my busy mind. Find a hiding place worthy. You are worthy. I opened up my heart, let my spirit worship yours. I opened up my mouth, let a song of praise come forth. Worthy. 
forevermore And the praise is yours And the praise is yours You're the one I'll be for Reigning over us As we lift you up You reign forevermore Glory and praise Power and strength Worthy is the Lamb of God Hallelujah, glory and praise, power and strength, worthy is the Lamb of God, hallelujah, oh, glory and praise, power and strength, worthy is the Lamb of God, hallelujah.
worship you. Who do we think we are that we can decide just not to praise you? The king of the universe has called us to worship.
just want to thank you. Thank you for not leaving me where I was. Thank you for not leaving me in the mighty clay. Thank you for not leaving me in my sin. Destined for hell in the grave. I just want to thank you, Lord. And I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you for not giving up on me. Yes, Lord. Thank you for not giving up on me. For not giving up on me when I was wallowing in my sin, you reached down and grabbed me to pull me out. So I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. Lord, that's enough for me to worship you for the rest of my life. That's enough for me to praise you to the end of days. So I just want to thank you. Oh, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. Where would I be? 
Sacrifice yourself for me. Where would I be? Because I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Without the blood of the Lamb, I'm not worthy to enter into your presence, Lord. I can't come before you. I can't bow before you. want to thank you I just want to thank you oh. and I just want to thank you Lord and I just want to thank you I'm not asking for anything in return I just want to thank you don't owe me anything. I just want to thank you. Because I owe you everything. I owe you everything. I just want to thank you. And I just want to thank you.
You know, sometimes it's good just to pull back from the events of the day and just reflect and remember the goodness of God. Where would we be without you? How undeserving we are, and yet he still pours out and he still gives and he still just floods us with blessings and his love and his mercy. Father, we're so thankful that you are a good God, a good Father, and you love your children. And your spirit, Lord God, has come and just resides within us and his patience and teaching and guiding and directing us in the things concerning your son, Jesus. Where would we be without him? We'd be wandering out there aimlessly without direction. But God, the spirit lives within us. He points us in the right direction and he directs us and he guides our paths and so we're so thankful for that we praise you Lord God so Lord as we gather in this place tonight for worship and a little time in the word and then praying together what a privilege it is to come together Lord and it's only because of you. It's only because you sought us out. You brought us in. You adopted us into your family, Lord. You put your name upon us. You put your spirit within us, Lord God. And your presence is always there. So we pray, Holy Spirit, speak through each person here tonight. Speak to them, speak through them. For the glory of your name, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Why don't you take a moment and turn and greet a couple people across the aisle. Go shake somebody's hand, say hello, introduce yourself if you don't know them. Hallelujah.
Well, welcome to Wednesday night. Glad you're here. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Praise God. I'm going, I'm going to take uh, tonight and next Wednesday and teach a little bit concerning on a, a topic that I'm simply calling you, me, and everyone else. <laughs> and then we're going to take time to pray. And we're going to do. We're going to change that up just a little bit, uh, to, uh, beginning tonight. And uh, but that's this is our midweek participation service, our prayer service. But we have a little time of worship, kind of decompress from the day. How many of you needed that today? <laughs> Amen. It's been one of those days, yeah. And um, and then, uh, but I, I just want to look at the word a little bit tonight it's not going to be very long honest and uh, somebody said well i'm going to time you pastor you know <laughs> no no i'm telling you it's it's, it's going to be short and uh, i'm going to finish the rest of it next next wednesday night but i want to read from first corinthians chapter 12 verse 12 and 17 justin can you put it on there for me beginning with the first one yeah we got it okay here we are it says, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. And then go down to verse 27, it says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Let's say that last part together. Each one of you is a part of it. Turn to somebody and, and, and just point at them. You're part of it. Just tell them, point it. Just tell them. This is a time that it's polite to point. It's polite to point. I know I was a kid. I was like, you point, you'd get your hand slapped in school. I don't think they can do that nowadays, but my day they did. They used a yardstick. They didn't even use a ruler. And, um, but I went to parochial schools growing up, so <laughs> they were a little more strict. But uh, you, me, and everyone else. The most exciting thing that the Holy Spirit can teach us is that we are different. Different. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, uh, could, let, me, let me just put it this way. How many of you love trying different kinds of food? Wow, we got a we got a daring crowd in here. Okay, some of you are kind of like, kind of depends on what it is, right? <laughs> you know. And uh, how many of you are like, nope, I know exactly what I want. You know. Yep. Okay, that's good. That's fine. See, we're all different. You know, I love trying different stuff. I, when, I, when I did mission trips and used to take young people with us all over the world, I would tell them, you're not eating at McDonald's or Burger King or Pizza Hut because they had them all over the world. I said, we're going to eat local. Yeah, and they were like, ah, you know, they were, they, they were so used to the, their, their regular stuff. And it was funny because the other day, um, my wife and I um, decided to grab a quick bite to uh, lunch and take it back to the house. And and, um, and I looked at her and I said, same thing? She goes, same thing. And, 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 it, and the funny part of that was because her, her older sister and her husband 
and my her brother, older brother, and his wife, every Friday night, they went to the same place and ordered the same meal for like 20-something years. Yes. I don't either. <laughs> and, and, and so we always made fun of them. And then so here it was, you know, on this thing. I said, same thing. She goes, yep. And I'm like, don't want to try something else? Nope. And, and a lot of times, if she was in here, she was in here a minute ago. She had to run and go help in the nursery. And, uh, but um, a lot of times we'll go somewhere, and, I, and she'll be looking at the whole menu. Like, if, if it's a seafood restaurant, I know what she's getting. Shrimp. Fried shrimp. That's it. And she'll say, I'm going to try something different this time. I said, what you going to try? And she'll tell me what she's going to try, why she's going to try it and everything. And the, the server will come and say, what would you like? She goes, fried shrimp. <laughs> I said, you do it every time. She does it every time. I'm serious. It's, yeah, I, you know, but I'm like, try something different, you know, or whatever. And uh, she's getting better about that. She really is. And, um, but but um, it's real easy to fall into um, just doing the same thing, you know. And we'll just say, well, that's just the way I am. Uh, no, we're defining who we are by the things that we do. Yeah, and so um, the, I think the most exciting thing that Holy Spirit can teach us is that we are all different. We have different talents, different gifts, different passions, different weaknesses, different strengths. And somehow, I think sometimes the, the church, um, people in the church have this idea that we're all supposed to be just alike. Well, that would be boring. Go look at the wildflowers in a field. God didn't say, I just want all one color or one type or one size or whatever. I mean, he I love it. I, I, in fact, I was reading an article the other day where uh, somebody um, got in trouble with their HOA, because they, but they found a loophole in there. And uh, they're, they're out west, like in Arizona. And the, the thing said that you had to have grass in your front yard, but they live like in a desert place. So to put grass in requires a lot of water and everything like that. So these people got smart and they put in this native landscape, but they went and found the wild grasses that grow in the desert and stuff, and then they mixed it with rocks and all this kind of stuff, and when the HOA tried to come down on them, they go, but that's grass, and you said we have to grow grass, and so they had splotches of it, you know, but they had rocks, and they had uh, all kinds of other stuff, and so it looked like a desert front yard. It was gorgeous, and it required virtually no water whatsoever. And, and they were saying, yes, but all the other houses look this way. He said, but we don't want to look that way, and we don't want to try and maintain grass in 120-degree heat, and there's no water, you know? So um, anyway, it, it, I thought it was great because here was this group of people trying to force these people to all look the same. And they found a loophole and were able to win their legal battle against their HOA. Because it just said grass. It didn't say what kind of grass. And so, uh, but, but somehow in the church we think that we're all supposed to look the same, do the same, talk the same, 
um, uh, be the same. We're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, but we're not the same. Uh, older, younger, we come from different backgrounds, different walks of life. And, and, and that's what's so awesome is to, to learn something new about somebody else that you maybe have known for a long time and go, I never knew that about you. You know, because it's, they're different. There's something about that. The Bible tells us that we're to function as different parts of the body of Christ. Parts, I was thinking about this. I'm not a poet or anything like that, so I'm not trying to make a poem. But part of the body is a leg, and that leg's always going. Part of the... Part of the body is a nose, and it's always blowing. <laughs> you know, I started doing Dr. Seuss kind of thing. You know, <laughs> like you know, you know. But then, I, so I said, let me just end right there before I get in trouble. You know, it would be terrible if the whole body were legs and noses. We'd be going and blowing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so whether we realize it or not, or whether you know it or not, um, we complement. One another, and when I mean compliment, I don't mean like, "Oh, you look nice" or whatever. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying that together we complement one another. We, it's like hand in glove. We work together, um, and so I felt the Holy Spirit wanted to just recertify this in our hearts that you're not here by accident. You have a part. You have something, and when we fail as individuals to minister uh, according to the gifting that God has given us, something tragic begins to take place, and we become dysfunctional, okay? Uh, I grew up in a military home. My dad was in the military 32 years. Um, Much of my childhood, my father was gone. It was during the Cold War era. And um, being in the service that he was, he was gone many months at a time and weeks at a time, uh, sometimes up to a year. And, and our home was always kind of missing um, when he was there. There was a period of time in the Air Force when he, he left the Navy and joined the Air Force. And um, uh, when he became a bomber pilot, uh, they would go on what was called alert status. And they lived... Uh, um, their B-52 bombers were parked um, on the, con- you know, right, ready for takeoff, okay, right, right next to the runway in the taxi area. And they lived underground in that area. They had, um, they called it the mole hole because it looked like tunnels that were buried underneath the concrete. And that's where they lived because when, if, an alar- if an alert went off, they had five minutes to get those bombers in the air. Five minutes. And um, so um, my dad would go like usually 14 days at a time. He would be on alert. And so for 14 days, dad was there. 14 days, dad was back, you know, home. Now, for 14 days, he was gone. 14 days, he was there. And then during the Vietnam War, there were times that he was gone six months at a time, 10 months at a time whatever, and then he would come back home. And so, in fact, I remember one time when he went overseas uh, to Vietnam uh, on one, one of several tours. He was gone for about six months, and during that six months, I went from uh, five foot four to five foot 11. 
in six months' time. Yeah, I was kind of clumsy and klutzy and, and hurt a lot, you know. Uh, the growing pains are real. And, and I remember when his crew was coming back and we went out at nighttime waiting for his plane to come in and all the families were there with signs and I'm the oldest of seven kids and we're only nine and a half years apart from oldest to the youngest. And so we were all there with my mom and we were waiting for my dad to come. And then we saw my dad come and he's in his flight suit and everything, you know, and everybody's screaming and yelling. And he walked right past me and went and hugged my mom and hugged all the other kids. And then he's like, where's Bob? And I'm like standing there and crying because my dad walked right past me. Well, he was expecting me to still be five foot four, and here I was five eleven, and my dad was about five nine. And so, you know, all of a sudden he wasn't doing this; he was like doing like this. And um, uh, it, it, it. But him being gone all the time like that, it was, it was, it was a very dysfunctional kind of way of living, because um, my mom was a polio survivor and she only had full use of her left arm, and she had overcome polio, had seven kids, and I mean, so you, you can imagine, here she's trying to raise these seven children without him, then he comes home. And so she had a certain amount of order, but when my dad came home, it was like, yes, sir. You didn't even answer the phone in my house in a normal way. You didn't pick up the phone and say, hello. You would pick up the phone and identify the residents. Um, you would say, for example, if my, I remember when my dad got promoted to major, and I picked up the phone and said, Captain Zanini's residence, Bob speaking, who, who would you like to speak to? I remember hearing, major! You know, I'm thinking, oh yeah, I forgot the promotion. You know, I was just a kid, you know. But that's the way it was, whereas when my dad was gone, it was a little more uh, easy, you know, you'd just say Zanini residence or something like that, you know, but when he was home, it had to be done that way. And so I'm just saying that um, when he was gone and then he came home, it created a little dysfunction in our family because we got used to operating a certain way when mom was in charge, and then all of a sudden he comes home and he expects to be in charge. And I don't know about you, but kids didn't, don't make that adjustment that easy, you know, especially if it's been going a certain way for a while. You go, but that's what we've been doing. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. You know, in my day, that's what you heard. That's the way it was. There was no arguing. There was no talking back. There was none of that stuff. And I only say all of that, and not that uh, I regret my childhood or anything like that. I was privileged to, to experience so many great things. But when we fail as individuals to recognize that we are part of the body of Christ, you're part of the body, um, and, and you, your absence alone causes the body to be dysfunctional. And, and when we don't operate in the gifts or talents or things that God has given us, then it causes the body to be dysfunctional, okay? How many of you have ever broken, a, broken something in, like a bone in your body or something like that? Then 
you know, okay, it, you're still one body, but you're dysfunctional for a period of time because maybe you broke a foot or a leg or an arm or whatever. I've broken every one of my fingers, a couple of arms, knees, foot, you know, I just was kind of dumb and stupid when I was young, did some dumb and stupid stuff. And uh, some of it was just accidents, you know, but um, you're, you're somewhat dysfunctional during that period of time until you get whole again, right? And so as much as we are different, we're the same, and yet when we're not there or we're not functioning, we're incomplete. So not as maybe you, maybe you're fine, but I'm talking about this, the whole body. And so the church is the body of Christ, and yet every local congregation is also the body of Christ. And there are giftings, and there are talents, and there are abilities, and things like that that God wants to use within the body. And so um, uh, we need to realize that, and we need to recognize that, and try and find out what those things are. And, and see, how can that be contributed? How can we contribute to that? Um, and, and when I said we're, as much as we're different, we're also the same. For example, we all have the same problems, certain problems. I mean, we all deal. How many of you deal with uh, work issues? Whether, whether you're the boss, the owner, or, or the employee, okay? Uh, how, how many of you have family issues? Okay, how many of you have problems with uh, uh, friends or neighbors? Okay, so we all have, have those, we have all those issues, okay? We have the same joys, we have the same desires, we have the same struggles. And on any given week, people gather in a church building, because the building's not the church, the people are the church, but we'll call it the church building. And if we like it, we might come back another time during the week. If not, we might come back the following week, or we might not come back for a couple weeks. Uh, we may sing a few songs. We may even say, uh, uh, pray over our food, um, whatever. Um, but we're attached to the church on Sunday and detached the rest of the week. And that's not healthy. That's not good. Um, years ago, I know this is going to seem a little strange. Justin, I'm going to play a real short video, so make sure the volume's on. Um, uh, years ago, there was a TV show called Cheers. Anybody remember that? Okay. Um, it was about the regulars that attended a local bar in downtown Boston. Uh, I've been to the original Cheers. It doesn't look anything like the TV set one. The only thing that's real is that the same as the sign outside. Yeah, I have pictures of that. In fact, every time I'd take friends to Maine or whatever, and we'd go to Boston for a day or so, they'd all go, take me to Cheers. I want to see Cheers. I said, you're going to be disappointed. It doesn't look anything. Inside doesn't look anything like it, but the outside does, and they all post, get their picture taken by the sign, you know. But anyway, uh, for those that may be unfamiliar, they, they had an intro theme song. And I don't know if you, if you remember any of it, but the chorus of the song, to me, I always thought would be a great song for the church. I know you're going to think I'm crazy, right? <laughs> so I want you to hear this. I'm gonna, and the words are going to be up on the screen. Sometimes you want to go.
How many of you think that's a great church song? Isn't that awesome? I, I've always said that. And, and, and every time I've ever said that, people look at me and go, you reprobate. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, man, that's awesome. In fact, even the lyrics to the verses even talk about the problems during the day and everybody's this, that, and everything. And you got to go someplace just to be with other people that are just having the same issues and stuff. And the chorus, I remember the very first time I ever heard it, I said, my God. God, that would be a great church song. And, and, and I, had, I told some pastor friends at a, at a gathering one time, and they looked at me and they said, you're nuts. I said, but that's the real world. That's the real world. Sometimes you just, I, I don't want to be a bump on the log. I don't want to be a nobody. I don't want to be the back of the head of somebody else, you know. Uh, I had a friend one time rearrange the church uh, he went to, he didn't last very long, about a month. And um, he, he pulled out all the pews in an old stuffy little church and, and he turned all the pews to where they faced the back door of the sanctuary. So that when everybody walked in, they were like, and everybody was looking at him. The next week he changed it to where the pews were on the sides and everybody was looking to the middle and he put a box crate out in the middle, you know. The next week he, he changed it to where there was people on four sides and the people were like, what in the world are you doing? He said, I'm just trying to get you to know one another. We know each other. We've been coming here 30 years. Tell me something about so-and-so. Oh, well, their name is such and such. Where do they live? Uh, over, over near, they didn't even know each other. And after about five, six weeks, they got tired of him and they fired him. Yeah. Because he was like, I'm just trying to point something out to you. You know, that we're, we're not functioning. We're just like a statue. We're just kind of static. You know, we're not doing anything at all. Um, in the Bible, the phrase one another is found almost 60 times in the New Testament, one another. And of those 60 times, 40 times that the Apostle Paul refers to it in his letters to the church, within those letters are specific commands, they're not options, in relating one to one another. And, and, and in fact... Um, Almost every situation when he uses it, he uses it in the, in the idea of a family, okay? So um, I'm going to give you, tonight I'm just going to give you three or four uh, of these, and you can grade yourself one to five, five being good, one kind of being kind of weak. Uh, see, I didn't say poor, I just said weak. <laughs> and, um, but uh, uh, let, let, let's look at them real quick. Okay, the first one is, we are members one of another. This is what the scripture says in Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. Look what it says. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. Again, remember noses and legs, you know. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. A couple other translations or paraphrases say that the Goodspeed translation says this. We are individually part of one another. That's an interesting idea. The basic English New Testament says we are dependent upon one another. 
That's a good one. The CEV says, there are many of us, but we each are part of the body of Christ as well as part of one another. So see, what the idea there is that we're not just part of the body like some cosmic whatever out there. We're part of one another. We make each other whole. We complement each other. And there are uh, three quick thoughts I want to give you concerning our being a part of the body of Christ. And the first one is, members of the body cannot work independently of each other. Okay? I mean, it, it, it's obvious. I can't cut off my arm, lay it over here, and say, go ahead and function. It, it just doesn't work. So members of the body cannot work independently of each other. So we're, we are dependent upon one another. We complement one another. Um, a second thing is that each member profits from another member's uh, part, you know, or their contribution. We, we, we profit from it. And um, uh, I just tell you, as a, as a pastor, you know, when I see people who are missing, um, it, it's hard to keep up. We live in such a mobile society today, and especially, man, when the summertime months come, it's really hard. And then, again, we have a lot of folks who work offshore or they're in the oil, you know, they travel for their businesses and whatever. It's hard to keep up with everybody. But when this is something that, that I noticed that people will not be or not, or not attending or not here, and yet they're posting on social media all the places that they are. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not going on there going, hmm, hmm, right, right, you know. But you know what I'm thinking? You, we're missing you, and we're, we're dysfunctional without you. We, we need you, and, and so it's like... Um, I went to a small high school in California, my first two years in, in high school. 192 students total from ninth through 12th grade. Yeah, and then I moved to Alabama my junior, summer of my junior year to, in a school of 4,000, 10th, 11th, and 12th, not even ninth grade. And so um, we, I played every sport that there was. And, and on the football team, we didn't have enough players for defense and offense, so you went both ways. You know, you played offense, and then you also played defense. And um, uh, you were either going to be good or you were going to get, you know, pushed all over the field. And, and I only, only say that is because sometimes somebody would be sick or they'd be out of town or death in the family or whatever, and the coach would say, Zanini! You got to play so-and-so's place. I'm like, man, I've never played his place. I don't care. You better do it. Don't mess up, you know. And so now you're on, you're on the clock, so to speak, and the coach is watching you, waiting for you to mess up, you know, and, and, uh, because you're having to play someone else's position that you've never been trained to play. And so uh, it, that's the same kind of idea here. Each member profits from another member's contribution. And when you're not there, you're not there to contribute anything. You're not there to add to it, okay? And the third thing is when we realize that we're all part of the body, it causes us to appreciate the other person's gifts regardless of what they are. 
you know, we think that somehow it's got to be something big, major, awesome, you know, rock the world kind of thing, but it doesn't. It can be a simple thing. It can be, it, I, I went to a church one time, visited, and, and came out to my car after service, and there was a little card on my window of the driver's door with a mint, one of those little star, you know, red and white mints, tied to the card. And, and it had a little note on there, and it just simply said, I trust that God ministered to you or touched you today and have a great week. And it was signed, had the person's name signed, and underneath it it said, Minister of Mints. I thought that was so cool. I thought at first, how silly. But I'm thinking... There was 400 cars out on that parking lot. That dude was out there all during the service, and he's putting them little signs, signing. He signed them. And, you know, I mean, the little card had the note printed, but he signed every one of them. Minister of Mints. He put a little heart behind it or whatever, you know. And, 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 and I thought, that's kind of goofy. But then I thought, no, he found his place. He found something and so every person that came out of church, you know, and, and I found out afterwards that, that if that person, if he wasn't there, everybody knew it. Because they were like, I didn't get my card and mint. Is, and I don't remember his name. And, and they called his name. And I, they said, is he okay? Is he all right? We need to check on him. You know, I'm like... Look, the guy impacted a whole church by putting a card with mints on it. Right? right? You know, I mean, so it, you don't, it doesn't have to be some whoo, spectacular whatever. It can be just the smile and the welcome that, you ha that, that you're showing to everybody. You know, it doesn't, let's, let's bring it down to where we are, where we live, okay? Um, um, when, when I was a freshman in high school in California, I went out for the basketball team. And um, uh, I'd never really played on a basketball team. Um, up in the Northeast where I'm at, uh, basketball was not a big thing in a winter time because we played hockey because <laughs> it was frozen outside, snow and ice, you know. And, um, but uh, 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 so I remember I went out for the team and got on the team. You're guaranteed to get on the team when you go to a small school. I mean, right? There's five, men, five people on a basketball team, and there's only eight of us on the whole team. You're going to get to play. Somebody's going to get hurt or get in the penalty box or something or whatever, you know? And so I remember we went to, uh, um, it was a, I don't remember what they called it, but it was <coughs> all the t local teams in the valley there in California came together. And we had like two days of partial games. It was kind of like the preview to the basketball season. And so every school uh, played different groups for like maybe a quarter, one quarter of a So maybe 10 minutes or whatever. And there was a school <clears throat> from about 30, 40, 50 miles away. And they came and they had a freshman on the team. His name was Henry Clark. Bright red hair, white skin, freckles, seven foot tall. Freshman. 
weighed about 130 pounds. I mean, like toothpicks with shoes this big, right? I mean, and, and we were thinking, oh my goodness, he's going to kill us until the game started. They put him out there for the jump ball, you know. He didn't have to jump. All he had to do was tap the ball. We couldn't even jump that high. I mean, you know, I was like one of the tallest guys on the team. You know, you could jump a foot and a half. And I mean, because the, the referee's throwing the ball up in the air, he's trying to, he's trying to throw it above the seven-foot guy's head, you know. So you've got to jump three feet. There's no way you're going to get there. So Henry slaps the ball to the guy down the field, you know. And then he's like <laughs> trying to run, you know. And by the time he gets down to the top of the circle on the basketball court, they've already scored, and we're headed back down the court. And, and he's, like, trying to turn around and catch. He couldn't run. I mean, he just, and, 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 and it wasn't too long after that. He, he was still down on his end of the court. The ball turned over. They threw the ball to Henry. He's standing right at the basket, and he goes to shoot. And it just bangs off the backboard and goes halfway down the court. He couldn't shoot. And we're thinking, we've got this in the bag, man. Henry, you know, and, 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 and so I don't know if they still make them, but they used to have a candy bar called an O. Henry bar. Did they still have O. Henry's? So everybody in the audience starts yelling, O. Henry, O. Henry, you know. And, and here he was kind of, you know, dorky, you know. I hate to use that word. And, but he could not play. And everybody was fearful in the beginning and then realized he can't do anything. Well, guess what? As the season progressed, guess who ended up being the highest scorer in the whole school league? Because all he had to do was stand down by his basket, wait for them to get the ball. They'd sling it to him. He'd catch it. He'd walk over and drop it in. Back then, they didn't have dunking, and you couldn't touch the rim. If you touched the rim, it would be uh, the ball wouldn't, you know, wouldn't count. You know, the rules have changed. So he would just kind of stand down on the end, and they'd throw it to him like that, and then he'd walk over, and choof. And then everybody would run down the court, and, and we'd have to pass it around. You know, it's five on four, and you, you're shooting from the outside, and they'd take it, throw it to him down the court. They figured out how to use them. They figured out what he could contribute. And, and, and uh, um, he had value to his team. He may not have had it in the beginning, but they had to discover what can Henry contribute to this team. I've never forgot that. And, and by the end of that season, he had probably put on about 25, 30 more pounds, so he didn't look so bad, you know, going down the court. But he didn't run the full length of the court like everybody else. We were tired from running the court back and forth. He'd just stand down there and get the ball and walk over and dunk it. And um, I, I, I tell you that because we thought he was going to fill a position, like tear everybody up. But we found out he didn't, he didn't have the natural abilities in the beginning, but it took the coach to sit down and figure out what he could do with him and how he could work that into his team and benefit his team. And his team won um, the championship that year. 
Um, I pray as a as a as, as the local that we as a local congregation that we'll continue to grow and to love and accept each other for our gifts and for the cause of Christ. Um, another another real quick story. My brother Ron. I have two brothers, two younger brothers, four younger sisters. My youngest brother Ron lives up in Tennessee, <clears throat> and um, he came to me. He came to work for me in a restaurant um, a year out of high school, and he ended up staying there. He's a great mechanic, owns his own place and everything. And uh, but when he was younger, in my family, we had to wrap our own Christmas gifts. You know, uh, mom didn't do that for us. She's like, no, you. We had to buy gifts or make gifts for each other. And we had to wrap them ourselves and everything. My brother Ron was a little weird uh, because he, back in those days, groceries came in those brown paper bags. Remember that? Double brown paper bags. We used them for book covers, garbage bags, you know, everything. My brother would, would wrap his Christmas presents in those brown paper bags with duct tape and bailing wire. And he thought it was great. And so they would go, this one's from Ron to Cheryl. And she's like, how do I get through this? And, she, and I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about like one piece of wire. I mean, he was like wrapping like a muffler that was about to fall off a car, you know, and duct tape and everything and, and tons of paper and stuff. And he loved it. He loved the consternation that it caused my, my family, you know. And I was ready for him one year. I, the year after that, I was ready for him. I had a pair of tin snips with me that would cut through sheet metal, man. So they handed me his present. I was clump, click, click. Oh, I've got this baby, right? You know what I mean? But it, my point in bringing that out is that did it stop us from opening the present? No, it might have taken a little while to get there, but it, it didn't stop us. And, and there's a reason, there's a lesson I learned from that too that I want to share with you because if, by, if I rejected the gift, I reject the giver. And so by my, bro, my brother would wrap these gifts up like this, and if I just say, I'm not going to open that stupid gift, and I throw it to the side, it could be a most valuable gift. It could be something that I need or would want. But because I've rejected that gift, I've rejected the giver of the gift. And the same thing is, how many times do we do that with people in our lives? We don't like the person who has the gift, but we, we, we love the gift or the talent that they have. And so rather than come to where God would have us live, uh, we would rather do without or do, uh, do it the hard way to avoid calling the person who could help us. Come on now. This is where we really live. I mean, people do. So um, we, we need to be careful about that. And that is that, you know, find the value that's, that's, that's in each other. Second thing is uh, we need to be devoted to one another. This is what the Bible says, devoted to one another. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And that word devoted in the Greek is always used with family ties. 
In other words, we're to be devoted as one to one another as a family member is devoted to one another. Now, of course, we live in a day and age where there's very, merit, very many dysfunctional families. But that doesn't mean the church should be that way. The church family shouldn't be that way. Um, and, and so when we say, I say it says be devoted to one another, guess what? That does, that's not a passive thing. You can't be devoted by just... Yeah, that's so-and-so. That's so-and-so. No, you have to, it means, it means putting forth an effort of some kind to engage or, or uh, you know, speak with them, be involved somehow, go out and have coffee, whatever. Um, we're not just a collection of friends. We're a, we're a family. And family matters. See? The third, the third thing is, the Bible says we're to honor one another above self. Again, Romans chapter 12, verse 10. It says, honor one another above yourselves. And Paul is saying that in this relationship, there's no room for privileges or rights. You know, um, I grew up as the oldest in my family. I didn't get any privileges being the oldest. In fact, I was always told, you have to set the example for your younger brothers and sisters. I didn't ask for that job. I didn't want that job. And they caused a lot of rebellion in my young years. Um, because I felt like I was the oldest and therefore I should deserve some kind of rights or something like that, you know. And, um, but what Paul is saying here is, he says, when honor one another, there's no room for privileges or rights. No one, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I'll give you a personal example again. I'm just a per, I'm just an open book. I really am. I, I mean about things in my own uh, life, and, and especially when it comes to church life. Um, in several places where I've been the pastor of the church, or even on staff at a church, but usually it's the pastor of the church. For example, there'll be a, a church dinner, a church meal, or something like that. And, and the job of the pastor was to say the blessing over the food, and then they had to go first. It was like, you have to go first, pastor. Well, my wife and I always felt like we were to go last because the Bible says if you want to be great in the kingdom, learn to serve one another. And there were many times that we maybe have a dinner, and I'm like, I don't know if we're going to have enough food here, but I can go without, you know, to make sure everybody else gets food. And so my wife and I would be in the serving line, uh, scooping up ice, pouring drinks, doing all that kind of stuff. And, and I remember one church in North Louisiana where we pastored for five years, they, they got so upset about that. That's not right. Pastor, you should be first. And I said, why should I be first? And they said, because you're the pastor. And I said, well, I want to be first, so I'm going to be last. And they go, that doesn't make any sense. I said, then you don't read your Bible. You know? And I understood they were trying to honor us in a way, but at the same time, it was, I've seen pastors where they're like, uh, excuse me, uh, let me, let me get by here. I'm the pastor. Or I'm the minister or whatever, like that gives that affords you some right to cut to the front of the line. No, get in the back. 
you know, the Bible says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That's why when the rapture comes, I'm going ahead of all of you because Z is going to be going first before A's, B's, C's, or D's. I'm just telling you, you know. But um, uh, there's no room for you or me to demand our way or expect, you know. And I've seen this creeping in the church over the last 15 years or so where ministers think that they're do something special because of their position. And, and that just bothers me. It really just, just it, it, it's a, it, it puts a bad taste in my mouth because I just don't believe that. Let me give you another example. And, and then we may just do one more and we'll quit. Because uh, like I said, I'm going to finish this the next week. Um, uh, Justin, you can help me out with this. If you've ever had someone who's been asked to sing, and then they ask for a musician to be, to accompany them, can you provide like piano or guitar or something like that uh, for the person who's singing? The idea is not for the musician to stand out but they are to accompany the singer, okay? Um, and I've seen this before where maybe there's a little pride in the musician and the singer's wanting to sing a song a certain way, maybe holding out a certain part at a certain place, and the musician goes, that's not how it's written. And, they'll, and the singer will say, but that's how I want to sing it. <clears throat> well, I can't do that. If you're going to do that, I can't help you. You're either going to do it like the sheet music's written, or I'm not going to help you. The person who has been asked to play is there not to show off their skills. They're for the benefit of the singer. And so they, they should be listening to the musician, to the singer. The musician should be listening so that if a person's holding out a note or if they're going to change and go to a different place in the song or repeat something, they're not going to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, we didn't practice. They're there to accompany the singer. What are they doing? They're there to compliment and lift up the person who's singing, not for them to be center stage. And so a lot of times, um, that's the way we are. We, we're to make each other sound good. How can I make you sound good? How can I make you better? How can I make you feel more complete? How can, that's what, that should be our attitude as the body of Christ. Building up one another. Let me give you one more real quick and then we're gonna pray. United with one another. United with one another. Romans 15 and five says this, now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement, aren't you glad for a God who gives perseverance and encouragement, grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. There's, there's two things that are found here. One is that the unity of the body is governed by the will of God. In other words, He's saying, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind 
with one another, according to Christ. In other words, you're to be unified. That's the will of God. Okay? 100% agreement within the body, but outside his will is not what Paul's talking about. You can be 100% united and against the will of God. And so uh, we're to be of the same mind as Christ according to his will. What happens when that, what happens if a church comes together? Our unity points to our heavenly father. And, and the reason we should desire to be unified is that it points to the father. Look at uh, uh, verse 6 of uh, Romans 15. So that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said that's, that's the purpose of desiring unity and, and, and lifting up one another and, and, and seeing the best in each other is so that you can, with one heart and one mouth, you're glorifying the Father and the people around you see it. It takes no gift whatsoever to tear anyone down. That comes naturally. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins, multitude of wrongs. And so, you know, the unity of the body is governed by the will of God. That's his desire. And so it should be our desire, too, that we find our place. We find our... And listen, there's been time, and I can tell you from my own personal life, that when I was younger... I had dreams and visions of what I wanted to see, what I wanted to do, whatever. But you know what the Bible says? Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might as unto the Lord. Because the Bible says, he who is faithful in little, more will be given. And so when we start off, we don't start at the top. We start at the bottom and we just find, what is it I can do that adds something to the body of Christ? And, and a lot of times it may not be seen, may not be seen but by two or three or four people. But that's all that matters. We're not trying to get the limelight. We're not trying to walk in with a neon sign going, look at me, look at me, look at me. You know, that's it. You, me, and everyone else. Let's, let's just pray right now for maybe the Holy Spirit to speak to us about what is it that you, that you have or you can do where, right where you're at. You may say, I don't feel worthy. I don't feel like I have anything. I just told you that God has given you gifts. He's given you talents. He's given you abilities to complement the body of Christ. And I don't care how young you are and I don't care how old you are. There's something. There's something. Whether it's a note, a prayer, a smile, a volunteer of time, whatever. Holy Spirit, we thank you that we are one, one another, part of one another, and together we make the whole. We represent you. 
God, we all come from different walks of life. Doesn't matter what those walks may be. What is it that we can add, complement, bring to the table, so to speak, that makes our fellowship more complete? And Father, when you show us, then let us boldly take the step and begin to do it. Not for attention, not for the limelight, but just doing what you've called us and made us and created us to be. And as we're faithful in the little, then you'll give us more. And we praise you for that, Lord God. Amen. Tonight in prayer, <clears throat> I want us, we, we've been doing where we had prayer stations set up with different topics around and I think it's good to change things up once in a while and um, I would like tonight we're just I've, 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 list, I've, I've made several slides of different topics and I would like us to be praying together um, for, for a few moments on each topic we may not even get through half of them tonight that's fine but Let's just take a few minutes to pray. And I've, I, I've made a list of different things that have come to mind. And you know what? You may, you may come to me and just say, Pastor, hey, could we add this to the list? And, man, it may be something I never even thought of. And I'm like, tell me. I'll put it up there. And, um, but the, the, first, the first thing I've put up there is that God would pour out a spirit of repentance and, and, and my thought is on his church more than anything else the church is to be the vehicle where the lost spiritual lost come and the church today is filled with pride I said the church, the body of Christ as a whole, is filled with pride, especially in America. We feel like we don't need anything. And I'm telling you, there's a shaking coming that's going to rock some people's world in the church. And they're going to be suddenly crying out to God. And the only cry he's going to listen to is the cry of repentance. Because what he's told us in the word, when I shut up the heavens... And when I bring about the plagues and when I do this, he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that's repentance. And so can we just take a few minutes to pray that the spirit of repentance would begin to be poured out in churches. I could tell you stories of places that I've been and things that I've seen where literally during a worship service or right as a preacher begins to preach or whatever, I have seen people come under such conviction they run for the altars and cry out for mercy. 
That's a spirit of repentance that's been poured out, conviction that's been poured out. So let's just take a few moments to pray along that line. We'll go to the next one. Father, we just come to you tonight. and We realize that, God, without your Holy Spirit bringing conviction upon the hearts of individuals, that, God, repentance will never take place. It, it, the Bible says that, that godly sorrow brings forth repentance. And so, Father, it, it's, it's, a, it's an act of God that works upon the hearts of individuals that brings them to the place of repentance. And repentance isn't just saying, I'm sorry. Lord, that's just remorse. That's so, they're sorry because they got caught. They're sorry because they, they, they've been exposed or found out, Lord God. But they haven't repented because they do it again in a heartbeat. Father, pray we pray for a spirit of repentance to sweep across our churches all across this area across this nation lord god that we would repent for the spirit of pride god even <clears throat> from the pulpits to the pews lord god it starts it starts in the pulpits lord it starts in the leadership lord god that we would we would repent of our pride God, the, the idea that we don't need you, that we can get by without you, and whenever we're in trouble, we can just call on you, and you're going to be there. That's a proud attitude. And God, the Bible says that you abhor the proud. You abhor those who are filled with pride. So God, we pray tonight, let a spirit of repentance come upon your people. Awaken them in the middle of the night. Awaken them during the day. Let there be a realization, a coming to Jesus moment when all of a sudden they realize this isn't right. This attitude is wrong. My actions are wrong. But my, 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 the way I'm treating my family is wrong. The way I'm treating my employees is wrong. The way I'm treating my neighbors wrong. God, just let there be an awakening. That's what I prayed this morning, Lord. An awakening that would come to your church, that would make them realize and cause them to shake off the complacency that's caused them to be spiritually blind to their own condition. In, in, in the book of Revelation, we see the church that says, we have no need. And God said, you, you can't even see your own condition. You're blind, naked, poor, and 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 and." You need to repent. So we pray for a spirit of repentance, Lord God, to sweep across your church. Sweep across your church. I want now I want us to pray for revival. And and I've listed it local, national, and international. I, I want to see I want to see revival break out in Acadiana. I want to see revival break out in our area. I am so tired of, of Christians running all over the country because they hear of some place that God is moving. Uh, I, I want them coming to Acadiana right here, Lord God. I believe the prophetic word that was given by Dr. Cho several years ago is still yet to come to pass, Lord God. 
and he, you showed them the boot and you showed them the fire of God coming up the Mississippi and then spreading, Lord, across Louisiana and across the nation, Lord. Father, let the spirit of revival come in, the, in, in our local churches, local home groups, local prayer meetings. Um, in Christians' homes, Lord, as they're reading the word and just praying together. Father, let the spirit of revival come and move upon their hearts. God, let there be a national revival. I rejoice in this past weekend when we saw 4,500 people being baptized out in California, Lord God. And the nation, the news media caught hold of it as 20,000 people gathered to watch this site. Father, it is reminiscent of what you did, God, back in the late 60s and early 70s. Father, God, don't let it be a one-off event, one one-time thing. God, let that revival fire spread across this nation. And then, Father, not be bound to the, the borders of this nation, but go beyond it. Father, in the four corners of the earth, let revival fire fall. Father, from the north, south, east, and west, every nation, whether it's, it's, it's in China where they've outlawed Christianity, but the church is blowing up and it's just expanding, Lord. In the Middle East where Muslim nations have, have, have threatened Christians, Lord, and yet, God, you're, you're showing up in visions and dreams and hundreds of people are coming to know Christ every week, Lord. And, and we just pray, let revival break forth, Lord God. I pray for Europe. God, the, the very center of what was once Christianity has now become so secular that almost most of 90% of the churches are closed and they've been turned in everything to, from hotels to restaurants to some even turned into brothels. Oh my Jesus, let there be a breaking out of your spirit and revival across the land of of Europe, Lord God. Uh, there, there'd be an awakening once again. God, you've done it before. You can do it again, Lord. Do it in our day. Do it again, Father, that we might hear of the word coming from across the, 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 the sea, Lord God, that God is on the move, that God is moving in a powerful way. We pray, let it be so in our day. Let it be so in our day, Lord God. The next topic I have is families. It's been on my heart, boy, since for a few days, but especially the last 24, 36 hours. And I've listed up their siblings, children, youth, and marriages. The enemy's trying to destroy the very fabric of family in our society today. And God, we cannot allow division in the family. We need families that are strong. And Father, siblings that won't even talk to one another, won't have anything to do with one another. God, it's not right. 
pray for restoration of relationships, Lord. I pray that those things be resolved while there's still time. There's nothing more sad than to have to do the funeral for someone who's passed on to have a brother or sister or family member saying, I wish I had time to make things right with them. God, that there be an awakening in the hearts of individuals and let siblings settle their rivalries and let them come back together again. We pray for our families. We pray for our children, Lord God. We pray for our youth. Father, the enemies after them, trying to destroy them, trying to tear them apart. But God, you are breaking out and you are, you are doing miracles in our children and in our, uh, our students, Lord, our youth. And they're having their, they're having their own revival. They're having their, they're seeing God move in ways in their own lives and in their friends' lives. And Father, we just pray that you would just, just put your hand of protection around them, Lord God, and give them wisdom beyond their ages. That that Lord, they would know where the, where the enemy's trying to attack, where the enemy's trying to attack. In the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for marriages that are being torn apart. Father, I just believe that you are able to restore. Restore. If you can raise the dead, you can raise a marriage back and put it back together. The day that I say there is no hope in a marriage or a family, then God, I've made an exception clause to where there is no hope in another situation. God, I pray you move upon the hearts of individuals that God, the walls would come down and that the hardness of the hearts would be broken. And that, Father, that reconciliation, the spirit of reconciliation would be poured out upon their lives and that God you would resolve past hurts words that have been spoken in malice and anger God we cancel those words out and I speak life and liberty and health and healing and restoration now even over those marriages Lord God let families be made whole once again let families be made whole once again. Let families be made whole once again, Lord God. Hallelujah. While we're doing that, let's pray for our schools. From the elementary schools to the middle schools, junior high schools, high schools, universities. The enemy is trying to take over those institutions where the basics of learning are supposed to be taking place, but it's being replaced by demonic doctrines demonic agendas and 
Father, we pray for a breakout of revival in schools. Young people, God, we've had so many attend camps this year from all over the state of Louisiana, Lord. And, and they've come to know you. This, many of them filled with the Holy Spirit, Lord God. They've had spiritual encounters with you. God, when it comes time for them to go back to school, God, that they would go back changed. They would go back as frontline warriors for the cause of Jesus Christ, Lord God. That they would speak to their peers. They would speak to their friends. They would speak to their teachers, Lord, in ways that would cause them to even shut their mouths, Lord. That they would be shocked at the things coming out of the mouths of the children and the youth, Lord. As they speak politely, but they speak forcefully. And that, God, the words they speak, you're backing them up. The Spirit of the Lord is backing up those words. I pray for people in the universities, Lord, the students there, that, God, there would be an army of students that would be raised up, filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost that would begin to confront the teachings and, and, and the agendas that are being perpetrated upon students, upon the university campuses in our state and all across this nation, Lord God. Father, that they would speak forth and they would not fear the consequences. God, you said we're not to give any thought to it, but when we're brought before kings and before governors and magistrates, you would give us the words to speak and that they would be words that you would give us and they would be filled with power and bring conviction and change. Father, I believe there are godly teachers that are in the school system and I pray that you give them godly influence that you would give them place of influence, Lord God, among the faculty and staff and others that are there, the other adults that are there. God, they would, have, they would find influence that they would be able to speak for the cause of Christ and for the cause of righteousness. God, we talked about last Sunday what is biblical justice versus secular justice, Lord God, social justice. Father, we pray that they'd be able to speak forth and that their words would be heard and that, God, that would cause an interest in the ears of the minds of students, Lord, in the classroom that would seek forth more information. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. Father, we just thank you that we can come to you at any time any time of day or night and we can whisper your name we can call your name and we can pray and know that our prayer is heard and that God we do not have to earn your favor we already have it because we're a child of the king and I pray special blessing upon each and every one that's in this place tonight let them go from this place, be refreshed in their spirits, give them good night's rest, protect them upon the highway, and then, Lord God, give them favor in their place of employment and those that they come in contact with. Give them favor for the glory of Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, also, I just remembered a prayer request. Um, 
I received a phone call right before church. Um, uh, uh, Gloria Jenkins, Roy Jenkins. How many, some of you know Roy and Gloria. Um, Brother Roy, when he speaks, you know he's from South Africa, has that accent. Uh, she called me right before church that he is down really bad with a bad stomach virus and, um, and, and asked that we would pray for him. And so I just remembered that, and I want us to take a moment. I don't want, I, I, told, I don't want to lie to her and say we forgot. I want to let us pray for him. And, Father, we just thank you that we can come before you in Jesus' name boldly, come to your throne. And we lift Brother Roy to you, and we just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come against the sickness in his body, every bacterial infection, Lord, every viral infection that is, that is in his body. We cancel it out in the name of Jesus and command that it die and be gone. We speak that healthy cells begin to multiply and health and strength begin to come back to him. His breathing, Lord God, would be would not be labored and that, Father, the sickness and nausea would be completely gone in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray send an angel in that room right now and touch him with the healing power of the throne of God. And we give you the glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. You said, ask and it shall be done. So therefore, God, we say simply, amen. So be it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.